Hello and welcome to the Game of Thrones TV Club for Season 8, Episode 5, The Bells, the penultimate episode of the show. Uh, I am June Thomas. I am the Senior Managing Producer of Slate Podcast, and I am here with two other Slate producers, Pierre Bianame, who is one of the producers of The Gist. Hey, Pierre. Hello. And Benjamin Frisch, who produces Culture Gabfest and, of course, Decoder Ring. It's hey, great, Ben. Great to talk to you again, June. Well, yes, we just talked about Detective Pikachu last week. There's a lot of overlap between Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and uh, Detective Pikachu, so everybody go check that out in the spoiler special feed. But we are here to talk about Game of Thrones. And I think I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that the very heavy-handed previously on this week set a tone when we were quoted something as if it was something we're all super familiar with. A Targaryen alone in the world is a terrible thing. And boy, did we see that by the end of this show. All right, let's kind of work through the episode Mm -hmm. uh, as we do on this show. Um, we began with a little Varys uh, thang. Mm-hmm. Um, treason in the in the, yeah. in the offing. Yeah, a little bit of Varysian treason. For me, that was the highlight of the show because like, he really had a really great ink flow. That was a beautiful quill that he That's was writing. That's opening shot. Yeah, yeah. As, a, as a lover of calligraphy and stationery. Mm, I, um, nice. I mean, everything was downhill from there. But um, what did you think of the way that Varys was dispatched, uh, Benjamin? What do you think? I mean, it's a little sad and anticlimactic for such a character who's been three steps ahead of everyone else and then suddenly he finds himself a step behind one moment that i actually really loved is when he took off his mm-hmm. jewelry mm-hmm. um because he knew what was coming and I, I i read some stuff of people not understanding why he did that but he clearly did that because it's like you take off your metal jewelry before you know you're about to get burned alive yeah yeah he always was ahead and in fact by the end of the episode since this is a spoilerific uh, free zone like at the end, I, I said, like, has anybody been right this whole show? And somebody said, well, Varys and look where it got him. Because it's true. He knew before anybody else or he was sure before anyone else that Daenerys would not be a good choice to mm-hmm. be the monarch. And he was proved right. But, of course, he won't be around to uh, to see it. All right. Well, we could linger on Varys, but uh, let's move on just because there's so much to get to. We had then... I think this very key conversation between John and Danny. And that was, again, another quite heavy handed, like, mm, <laughs> what's going mm-hmm. to happen here? What did you make of that, Pierre? That's when, you know, John comes back and he's told by Varys that Danny's emoting somewhere and she's not eating and she's depressed. That's never going to be a good sign. But then he, John goes to her and that's worked before. But did it work this time? No, let it let it be fear was the big line. It was yeah. both let it be fear in, in our relationship, you and me, and also just, you know, between me and, and, and the populace, I guess. So. Yeah, and that came up because uh, in the past, John has been able to kind of soothe her with his love. Uh, but now, since he knows that he's her nephew, he's lost mm-hmm. his boner big time. Right. And so she doesn't have love. She doesn't have a partner. He just, he says, you know, he's happy to be her queen, but that's all. Uh, and she feels it's almost I mean, she was broken up with. I mean, I didn't necessarily interpret that as meaning he's like never going to be into her forever. But like given the circumstances and given her like crazy, like I'm in a very bad place makeup situation that was going mm-hmm. on. She yeah, looked yeah. terrible in she that did. moment. I can understand him being like. Maybe this is not the best time to be romantic. I did not actually interpret that as being like, I'm never going to be into you because I have this weird thing about making out with my aunt, which I don't know. I don't second know. Second time I, in a row. Exactly. That happens, that's what you know? I was going to say. 
Yeah. You know, they, they steal these rare moments where that could happen and it doesn't. And it's just like, ooh, yeah. now it's, it seems like uh, even though it was initially like a love thing, you know, it's copied from the mold of all these other medieval type relationships of marriages of, of convenience or of alliance. Yeah. Now it's what it's been reduced to. Yeah. That's how it seems, seems. to me too, I must say. He, he doesn't seem to have the hearts for anymore. He, yeah. He pulls away his kisses, and he's still loyal, but he doesn't yeah. fancy her anymore. And if familial ties didn't, you know, really fully kill the boners, as June put it, then surely the slaughtering of innocents yeah. by the thousands. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. M- mere innocent slaughter. Um, but yeah, that, that felt extraordinarily significant, and in a show that has lost its any sense of subtlety in its scripting, uh, I think we, we, we got a message there. Okay, let it be fear, as you said, Pierre. All right, moving swiftly along, then we see Tyrion, who has been wrong uh, now several times, and who Danny very uh, aptly and accurately said, blamed for the, the treachery of Varys. Varys couldn't have done that if he hadn't told Sansa, knowing full well, surely that the news would travel abroad very quickly. Tyrion, though, he does get more chances to fuck up, at least one more anyway. Uh, mm. Tyrion is kind of a sad sack these days, doesn't it seem? Oh, uh, yeah. A bit, a bit, maybe you want to take this, but of course, this was certainly an episode where he had a lot of agency and maybe didn't use it in the smartest way, but at least at least he had it. Yeah. And I think you're, talk- you're talking right now about the scene where they're in the, the throne room and Dany is sitting on, not the Iron Throne, obviously, but the one of Dragonstone, and yeah. she's talking kind of one-to-one with, with Tyrion. Yeah. But but the scene between him and Jamie, I think, is like the key. Yeah. It was definitely his best scene, and mm-hmm. yeah. one that you know mirrors a lot of scenes from earlier in the show, um, and one that I I quite liked, despite like so many things in this episode, not really believing that Tyrion would go out or would put himself out there in that way. Yeah, either for Jamie or Cersei, like I. I just didn't quite believe the character moment, even if I believed their performances. They had, I think, really, really great chemistry together. Although I can see that as not so much for Cersei and Jamie. Tyrion clearly loves Jamie and not so much Cersei. Um, but I think he might have thought that it was improving the chances for mercy for the people of King's Landing and Westeros, that Jamie was the only person yeah. who might be able to have convinced Cersei uh, to show, to, to, to surrender, to ring the bells. Uh, and then he had to then do the second trick of persuading the invaders to obey the bells, which we'll get to. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was the, the scene between Tyrion and Jamie, I agree, was very moving. Uh, you kind of saw that they are family, that, you know, we, when the family stuff happens, you, we don't always get that recollection that they've known each other since birth like that's kind of how siblings work and that when he was a boy if it hadn't been for Jamie mm-hmm. he would never have survived and that was genuinely moving yeah he forces that compliment on Jamie who you know he'll have yeah. none of it but yeah you're, you're definitely reminded of the fact that you know this is this guy's little brother yeah then he's uh, asking to be vaporized though just to be yeah clear. I mean yeah. come on yeah what exactly. are you doing here? oh and yeah since you mentioned <laughs> that I have to say that one of my favorite parts of this episode or maybe even of this misbegotten season was when Danny just so wearily said when she was ready to immolate uh, Varys Dracarys. Yes and she did not uh, she did not um, make the charge of treason you know I was expecting to hear that word but it was just uh, okay you're here now and yeah yeah now you're gonna burn. Dracarys. Mm-hmm. 
which, yeah, I find that very, very telling and, and concerning. But anyway, to get back to, to where we are rapidly running through the uh, episode, um, let's get to, I think, the first battle scene that we see, which is the Iron Fleet. The Iron Fleet pulling into King's Landing. I actually, no, so it's the Iron Fleet is off King's Landing. They're protecting King's Landing. And Danny does something that actually it, to me I, I'm going to defend what I'm about to say but um, suddenly she's a much better tactician suddenly she she knows you know maybe just like come from behind the sun so they can't oh, see yeah. you so well yeah. uh, so they have to turn around but we get that great scene with Euron looking up at her and like yeah he's ready he's ready with his huge massive scorpion mm-hmm. doesn't quite work out right it's it? like is that a seagull oh no <laughs> something else the, the fact that the scorpions just suddenly were useless all of a sudden was kind of disappointing i mean we don't there were i think in the last episode many of the ships had them mounted and then seemingly only euron's ship actually yeah, fired a, them there were in this a bunch because they because Quibon did say that they all had been destroyed so there were several but yeah they seemed to have lost their power a bit would also have yeah. made sense to attack at night i think the ships, at least. Well, yeah, that that, that, that would have been. Uh, we oh, had was, more calls about the. Was either of those battles at night? What's, what's no. going on there? No, but I I mean, no, I'm just saying, like yes. visibility-wise, <laughs> yeah. you can't oh. hit something you can't see. Yeah, right. I know, and she can see, but yeah, but we, we've got enough problems in this show with not being able to see things. So I mm-hmm. think we don't. I'm, I'm not going to call for that. Um, as far as the like the improved power, like why is she so much better now? Why are these armies so much better now than they were the last time they fought? I can kind of justify saying, look, the people who came from Winterfell, they had faced off against, you know, the Night King and the armies of the dead. Like they'd had some really intense battle practice. Um, and also, I think uh, on a like thematic note, the, the, if the message of this episode is uh, a Targaryen alone in the world is a terrible thing, since the dragons are Danny's children, they too are Targaryens and now Drogon is alone. So... He too is more determined to be just fucking destructive. Yeah. So I can kind of see that, like, okay, no more messing around. I don't care about being liked anymore. I'm not going to try to win anybody's affection. Screw you all, Dracarys. So I, that kind of, you know, her tactics are different now as well as as well as her skills. The fact yeah. the, the the show has kind of played up Danny's relationship to Miss Sandy in mm-hmm. the last episode mm-hmm. felt a little strange to me because. The dragons are, in a much more literal sense, her children, Mm -hmm. and the fact that she had lost two of them, to me, seems like a more natural source of grief for her. Um, But, you know, we don't even, I don't think her first dragon dying is not even remarked upon in last season or this season, and... She's never seen to mourn at all. And Missandei is, like, not a huge presence in Danny's emotional life, it if I, I started off as a translator, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and, uh, a friend in the last couple of seasons, at least, I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, it seems like it, it's all part of this increasing isolation of Danny. That she did have great love for Missandei. So many of the people who were close to her, like Sejora, like Missandei, like they've been taken away from her. And John, she's she's still got his loyalty, but his affection has departed. His boners departed. And so, uh, you know, I kind of see it's her increasing isolation and just loneliness. Um, so 
even though I know like this enslaved person who, you know, Danny Freed is being asked to be, but also Missandei was as close as we got in the show to a, a saint. So, But but also what, what Missandei's death does is um, justify, uh, you know, not just Danny's hate, but, uh, but Grey Worms. He's the one who kind of yeah. picks up the baton on, okay, well, I guess we're just going to go for a massacre here. And he throws that first spear at mm-hmm. a, you know, and a Lannister has dropped a sword, yeah. you know, halfway through the episode, you're amazed. You think maybe, yeah. you know, what's the, what's the other half going to be? And are they going to parley some, some terms and all that? But uh, definitely not. He throws yeah. that spear and then, you know, they're yeah. all, everyone, it's just the deluge. And it is interesting. There's a kind of turnabout in both the show and the books. They talk about the Unsullied as being because they are, endlessly loyal that mm-hmm. that's like that's only kind of a good thing mm-hmm. but then this episode is actually making an argument that people having a moral standing on a battlefield is actually maybe a better outcome even if it makes you a less uh, adept fighting force yeah i mean the golden company who had been so built up uh, were absolutely useless mm-hmm. and you know it looked good though yeah they had they some, did that, those good. established those shots you know yeah. they, they had a weird thing their, oh, armor, I love their, their armor wasn't standardized yeah. at all they had a little bit of every, I know, you know they each had a bit of a different thing yeah. going on it's but, a good imperial move that yeah. to show your background a little bit but, mm. but somewhat unified yeah, but flammable in the end so yeah exactly um I mean, so yeah, so the Golden Company looked good, had a lot of style. Um, but as Cersei said, they're swords ultimately. But then, and so are the Unsullied. But the Unsullied, you know, we've heard so much. They're they're so much better because they have no emotion. They're just obedient. You could cut off their nipple and they won't, don't, you know, they'll just keep fighting. Well, Grey Worm, who, mm-hmm. you know, he did open his heart and look what happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. An important thing too, though, is that yeah. the Unsullied were, you know, they were, one, I believe, if I'm not, you know, if I recall correctly, they were once freed and then they voluntarily said, no, yeah. we're, we're going to follow yeah. you to the end. Yeah. Danny did free them, but they still had their training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, the, it just showed though that emotion for Grey Worm like Danny and Grey Worm is not a Targaryen and not subject to madness in the same way. Emotion, that kind of fog of war will mess up uh, the, the most logical plan and, and that's not going to be the best uh, outcome for everyone. So, but back to the Iron Fleet. Drogon, so much more effective, effectively sinks the Iron Fleet. Just a few sailors, including our old Euron, gets to wash up on shore. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not just the fire, too, of the dragon, I just want to say. It's, yeah. It seems to be the pressure of the hose. Yes. Because when that thing hits yes. a ship, it just pops. I know. It doesn't just start to burn. It yeah. just pops. Bloop. I know. I, Same I, with the tile, the roof tiles, yes, as you know, yes. later in the episode. It's like they seem to, even if they're adjacent, if they're hot yeah. enough right by the fire, they yeah. just melt. There was something Buckle. I wished we'd had more like information uh, in our Detective Pikachu. Spoiler, Ben, you talked about the, the, the magic system? Or? Yeah, the magic system. And I wanted more about the dragon system because like when uh, Varus was immolated, it was, you know, very precise. People were standing inches away from him mm-hmm. and came off, you know, just fine. Didn't even seem to have even been slightly warmed. Uh, but then when he really goes at it, yeah, he can make ancient buildings, boats, ships yeah, that are able yeah. to carry huge scorpions just uh, like little flies and also seems to be able to blow that fire torch longer than yeah. usual huh right yeah i mean he some, I, yeah, some... did he have to like drink or eat in the middle of that no he could just keep you know <laughs> yeah. wow he could just keep firing on all cylinders it was really <laughs> impressive then the dothraki to just go through the golden company like yeah it's a piece of cake for the the forces of winterfell yeah. in the north yeah, if I can add something here it's just kind of this one point is that it's kind of like um in in fiction this always happens where 
it doesn't really matter what the, the deck's stacked nature of it seems like yeah. uh, someone may land a, a good punch but it doesn't really matter it's whatever the show runners or creators yeah. want to yeah. have happen is going to happen yeah. the only thing that a, a, a good punch or a good piece of damage might do is make it seem like uh, you know that's a kind of a, a point for stretching the um, suspension of disbelief so it's like well if this person is really but that extends to if, if we might be able to move on to um, I'm not sure if you'd, if you'd like to go there yet, but the fight between uh, between uh, Jamie and, and Euron on, on the beach, right? Well, there are several of those. Nice. Jamie and Euron on the beach, the much heralded, although hugely disappointing, thank God, because I had no love for this, uh, Clegane Bowl. Um, you know, we look forward to these things, you're, you know, these because, yeah, you're right. It, nothing matters except interactions mm-hmm. between key characters, and especially this season. The, the suspension of disbelief has been too enormous. But, yeah, um, let's just stick a little bit with the chronology because there's something happens before uh, we get to uh, Euron and Jamie I believe and that is the bells because that is in many ways the key part of the episode is the key moment. I mean, I would make the argument that this is actually the key moment in the entire series. Yeah. Yeah. The character development around basically every single major player on the Winterfell side at least is influenced by and reacts to this specific moment. And I think the entire episode does hang on this moment. And I think why this episode is generating a lot of polarized reactions <laughs> yes. is because of this moment. And I think that we should try and deconstruct it a little. Yeah, right, right. Uh, I have some thoughts. Let's share them, share them. So if you are a student of screenwriting, you might know the work of Robert McKee, who's a he wrote a very famous book called Story, and one of the things in that book that I have always found very helpful in thinking about plotting stories is, for him, he posits that plots are a series of decisions made by characters, and the most climactic, important decisions, the only decisions that actually show you what a character does or who they are um, or how they've changed over the course of a story are decisions where a character has to choose between either the lesser of two evils or the better of two goods. Hmm. And because if, if a character is given a decision between a good thing and a bad thing, the character should just naturally choose the good thing. Right. And that's not actually, that's not testing them. That doesn't put any pressure on the character. So it, you don't learn anything about them. And so I think that this point at which Danny chooses to firebomb the city, I think it fails in two ways. Um, I think it fails because Mm -hmm. it is not a choice between the lesser of two evils. It is basically a choice between a good outcome and a bad outcome. Mm -hmm. And so, which is why the stakes, I think, felt kind of weird because there's not really a meaningful reason why she should torch the city when she could, for example, just torch the Red Keep She's always been this protector of the people. Breaker of chains. And so the stakes of that decision feel off. Mm -hmm. And then the second reason why it fails is that even though she's given a choice between kind of a good outcome and a bad outcome, she chooses the bad outcome, Mm -hmm. which just makes her seem incompetent. Mm -hmm. And the show has not put enough time or energy into developing her character to make that feel like a natural extension of her personality, at yeah. least to me. Like, no. I just didn't buy it. And no. in the end, I just like did not buy this decision. And 
which is why the whole episode kind yeah. of fails for me. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, this season, a lot of uh, work has been done just by like sudden changes, sudden, you know, a wild hairs in a sense. I mean, yeah, yeah I think it, the it, most... Within the same episode. Yeah. Earlier in the same episode. Yeah, exactly. Not, not like we're, we're supposed to, I think, believe that, you know, now Danny is alone. She's mad. She's upset. She's brokenhearted. And she is full of hate for Cersei for what she did at the end of last episode. But that is against everything that's been in her life and in the show so far. So even if that was established, you can't overturn 71 episodes in in episode 72. Yeah, I agree. It just I, doesn't, it's not convincing. I read some arguments that actually the seeds of, for this have been planted since yes. Marine and that she's made cruel decisions before. And that's true, but those decisions were always against tyrants mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as she puts herself like she's tyrants or traitors or yeah yeah like they're she's always been a moral character mm-hmm. you know the decisions she's made around that morality have kind of bent maybe mm-hmm. at certain mm-hmm. points but she's never just abandoned a moral universe entirely mm-hmm. yeah and so for her to just suddenly become a total nihilist feels wrong for the character yeah yeah, yeah. We, we've seen her, you know, feel. We've seen her hate to punish. We've seen her feel that uh, as a queen, she must be tougher than she is as a person. Uh, you know, she's she's kind of done that with with so much regret. Sometimes being like, this is you know, this is the stern thing that I must do to not cross my own word and to establish some some smart precedent. Um, I mean, the one thing this episode did remind us of, uh, and sure, maybe a little bit too hastily, <laughs> is that when you know when the when the Targaryen's born, to, to to borrow another you know really seminal kind of quote, you know, that the gods flip a coin, and it seems like I mean maybe it's the uh, for a diverse circumstance, and it's not just her nature, it's the fact that she's alone. But also, you know, there's a bit of, of Targaryen madness just coming back through. I didn't, I just didn't buy that. That, you know, again, for 71 episodes, yeah, we know that this is a trait of the Targaryens, but it felt like the coin had landed, and we saw what side mm-hmm. it landed on for Danny, and then suddenly, 72 episodes in, it flips again. Like, it just, it just I just didn't yeah. buy it. And, yeah. and, you know, this thing, this also this famous quote, which, you know, we heard twice in the in this episode. Yes. I'd never heard before. Like, so, yeah, let's not, pre- uh-huh. let's not okay. pretend that's, like, been this big thing. <laughs> we know that the Targaryens are, are prone to madness uh, and, in fact, are more likely to be mad than not. But that's just not something that, that has been present with Danny. And it is in sort of posited to be an innate characteristic of the mad Targaryen rulers, yeah. that it's, like, an innate characteristic in them. They don't, yeah. at least in my recollection recollection from the books or the show that any of them just kind of like snap and become evil. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, it 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 was not perhaps earned, but she did it. She, you know, the bells rang out and she ignored them. And with all this destruction, I have to say that and it's the name of the episode is The Bells, uh and it reminded me of uh in the hunchback of Notre Dame when you know, the, the hunchback is saying the bells, the bells, and then to think of the destruction, well, not destruction, not certainly not on the same level, but mm-hmm. the fire at Notre Dame recently, and then the, the destruction of the Red Keep, but it was like a weird real life parallel mm-hmm. to me. Um, but well, anyway. Here's a question, if, if yeah. I may ask, who rang the bells? It wasn't Cersei's, I mean, it wasn't Cersei's order to do that. She, she was just, she was a backseat driver the whole time, yeah. you know, she was just a, hope, a hopeful, hopeless backseat driver. And I, so some, you know, some soldiers. Yeah. And I, that seems right to me. I mean, when you are the the head of state, you give someone the power, a soldier, a general to make decisions on the battlefield. I mean, she's not a battlefield general. She's the equivalent of the president and her chief of staff is off. And I'm sure it was, you know, a general who ordered that. I don't mm-hmm. I don't that didn't feel wrong to me. You know, she's 
she's not the person giving orders on how to, you know, she may have set the strategy, but, um, and she didn't seem, you know, she was not going to say, all right, ring them. Yeah. But also there didn't seem to be any method set up that would even allow her to do that. So that didn't feel wrong to me that, yeah, that would be something her soldiers would do. Oh, yeah. If you're a soldier in Cersei's army and all of that is going on, like, yeah, you throw your sword and ring the bell. Like, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm su- out. Like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm surprised how long they, they let it, they let the hellfire rain down, mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah. So, Danny is on a destructive tear, I mean, with no mercy, and Benioff and Weiss very proud of their giving it us to us from the perspective of the lowly hoi polloi and the sit like, yeah, I don't think we truly needed that, and the not to be that person, but the fire effects were a little bit, <laughs> um, so while all this indiscriminate high hellfire is raining down, as you said earlier, uh, Pierre, Jamie and Euron, Jamie goes to just check out the the sort of escape dinghy that uh, that Tyrion had told him about. And while he's there, oh look who's just coming up on shore! It's Euron, and they have what a coincidence! Yeah, mm-hmm. whoa! Talk about overworked and uh, not terribly uh, good uh, storytelling uh, methods. But those two get to have a bit of a face off and. I don't know. Like, it depends on how much love you have for Euron. Or, I mean, I don't think anybody truly loves Euron, but how much... Oh, I am much, extremely pro-Euron. Yeah. <laughs> how like, much you like uh, having likewise, a character likewise. like Euron? Yeah. I, I, I really like Euron because, one, he seems to actually be having fun yes. playing, like, a just despicable sex monster villain yeah, like yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. i have i've really enjoyed watching yes. him on screen especially this season yeah um he did the best dialogue he's had the best yeah he's just season. he's just having the most fun yeah this fight meant very little to me yeah, but yeah i mean yeah, he had he yeah. had to go sometime yeah exactly he got he got he got a goodbye scene which is a big tribute from the creators of the show like not everybody gets one you have to be a little bit of a of a of a special someone to get that. Yeah, it was like a I don't know, like a like a like a Batman's Joker kind of death where he's, yeah. he's happy to die in a way that maximized destruction. Yeah, he's well, cool with a send off. And yeah, I agree. I can't say that I like Euron, but I was always glad to see him show up because it did mean a, a bit of a of, of joy and fun and like I get to do what the hell I want and I'm gonna have fun doing it. And the idea that someone would live for the chance to say I'm the man who killed Jamie Lannister. Which, you know, yeah, maybe it would have died anyway, but I, you know, it could also have been Danny uh, causing the, the ceiling to fall on them all. Okay, so then from that, just to note that Jamie doesn't die there, he's dealt a mortal blow, but he manages to stagger off and, you know, he's doing some serious, like, it's a good job he, he yeah. spent a lot of time there because he really knows all the back routes so that he can get from place to place quickly. But Meanwhile, Kyborn is leading Cersei in the mountain to Maegar's Holdfast, and uh, then yeah, a little too the, daintily for what's, yeah. what's happening around <laughs> exactly. them. It's really like the Titanic yeah. is sinking, and it's the, exactly. it's the upper class people who just oh, yeah, well, let's, go let's down not down. take this too seriously. I mean, he's got the mountain yes. with him, so everything will be okay. Um, but meanwhile, the Hound has sent off Arya uh, in a, a quickly dispatch. But I think I don't have any issue with that. Yeah, she could see that, like. Maybe she didn't need to die today, and the hounds, the hound will either take care of it or not. But I've, I found his speech to her convincing. I don't, I don't think she's got that much of a death wish. But so the hound finally meets up with his brother, and I mean, Clegane Ball has been much heralded, but I, you know, I didn't need to see yeah. that, and I didn't like the mountain has always been a super annoying character to me. 
I mean, see what is the thing. Yeah. Because here's something I thought when I, when I was, when I was you know, by the time that was the fight ended, which was, yeah, certainly something that was built up so much. I mean, clegging bowl, the word, you know, yeah, was exactly. kind of built out of nowhere. It's like King's it's like, Moot. Oh. It's one of those things that's like, whoa, oh. is it really happening? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the contested convention of Game of Thrones tropes. Yes. yes. I did not like this. No. What's, what's that? What's that? Did you want it to be a big face-off? No, I yeah. just don't care. I know, like, I, know. I neither do I. The, neither do I. the, the, the idea that Sandor, after all that he has been through, is still like really just like has to kill his brother. It, it feels a little bit like the show playing into fan expectations totally. instead of subverting yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, totally. I don't know maybe if it was Willa or Sam mentioned in our discussion about this online last night that like it. It would have been really interesting if Sandor sees his brother and then just is like, "What the fuck am I doing here?" Mm-hmm. Like eh, a little it, bit, a little it, bit, you know, foreseeable also that. But yeah, better maybe. But it's actually like in in a way, Sandor turns out to be the character we thought he was all along. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the fact that he is. Wait, which one is Sandor for folks? Oh, who, uh, is the Hound? Mm-hmm. That what, he, yeah, the one with the soul still. Yes, yeah. that he he doesn't actually change. Like, yeah, there's no yeah. change in him yeah, because yeah. he... And then to have that scene basically be a video game cutscene, mm-hmm, like a, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. a quick time event. No mm-hmm. dialogue. The, the thing is, too, is that... So if, fucking die! Yeah, in, in, you know, in something like Star Wars where, you you know, this is bread and butter, you're going to have these moments where things are falling apart, there are great heights, there's fire, there's, you know, sequestration because of a greater disaster, and so we're fighting this arena that's yeah. been really, like, precise... Uh, the, it's really about dialogue and about you know how a relationship might be furthered as people are fighting lightsabers, the force, yeah. all that. Sure, and it's fun, but there's you know there's evolution in here. There was nothing like that. Nothing. There was just there was just uh, the satisfaction or you know the fulfillment of hate. That's all it was. Yeah, and the hound, who is someone who we've come to love and to enjoy his sweary observations on life. It felt like kind of a waste of a man who could have ridden off into the sunset. Like you, first of all. You can't kill the mountain. I mean, that I hate those fights with people who can't be killed. And yeah, okay, throw him off a, you know, in a double suicide or a suicide murder uh, where you fall hundreds of feet into fiery flames. Probably that can kill the mountain. But I, I don't see anybody being satisfied or enjoying that. It's like, I, I'm yeah. glad that we got to say goodbye to the hound. Again, that's something that's kind of a compliment. It's a in recognition that a character has reached a certain level. But yeah, pure fan service in a way that wasn't even interesting, unfortunately. So you think maybe that, uh, that you know, not only Arya should have listened to, to the mountain, the hound, sorry, but the hound should have listened to himself maybe yeah. also, or she could have reciprocated and said, yeah. there's no need to do this either. It would have been, you know, and it would have been frustrating, but also in keeping with the earlier version of this show, which was yeah. a little more satisfying, if yeah. the mountain had... Um, survived and it's a, a frustrating thing of something so you know pure evil like still yeah. being out there in the world alive but yeah. it's the, the way it is sometimes yeah well but, and the way that these current storytellers would have it yeah but another pairing while that's going on jamie makes his way to cersei and leads her to the way that they can get to the uh to the dinghy yeah well, unfortunately all that rubble they're just <laughs> essentially trapped in a june you seem so, so affected yeah, they, they, were, they were gonna rubble. make it. They, they were gonna, they were gonna have a chance for love, and their little babies could be the, yeah. you know, they were gonna have what Graham Worm and, and Miss Sandy were supposed to have, which mm-hmm. was to, you know, sail away. Yeah, that's right, somewhere to, far to in the, the east and and retire. To the shores of Pentos, so. but it was not to be because of all that rubble. But they, the, I have to say that I mean nobody, nobody, I think could ever have much love for Cersei. But the joy oh, on her face. Yes. I stand a legend. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the joy on her face when Jamie showed up 
was was beautiful to us. Like that's genuine affection, and they got to live as as um, Shasha and Rachel put it in this week's worst person in Westeros feature on Slate, from womb to tomb, they got to you know. Yeah, isn't there a song life, about that? <laughs> in West Side Story. <laughs> they get to uh, enter the world together and depart together in in love, in a very special kind of love. Um, were you moved? Yeah, I like that scene. Yeah. I have always had a lot of affection for Cersei as a character. As somebody who, unlike Danny in this episode, like Cersei, over the course of the entire series, has been beat down over and over again, both for being a woman, just what it is to be a woman in this mm-hmm. world, but also like <laughs> the constant deaths of her children, mm-hmm. um, you know, her schemes running amok. I guess my only disappointment is that both she has spent so much time, like Varys, just like being smarter than other people and being ahead of the curve mm-hmm. and just like resolving her conflicts by sidestepping them or dissolving them like I don't need to deal with the sparrow denying them denying because I can can just blow up the I can just destroy them all by blowing up the the holy site yeah and there was something sort of disappointing about her her and Kyburn's nonchalantness it'd be like I was kind of I was expecting her to have some other some other yeah like that there would be wildfire Mm -hmm. throughout the city and that that would that would also guarantee that the city would, like she would rather see the city burn yeah. than give yeah. up or something yeah. like that. And we saw there was some, we saw that green flame mm-hmm. uh, and some green spludge or uh, whatever that thing that kids likes called. What is it? What's that thing that kids like? Slime. slime. Slime, yeah, some green slime on the walls. Gack. Slime. Uh, so, uh, we, you know, there was some wildfire, but yeah, she didn't seem to, she had no plans. She was just going to, like yeah. the Golden no Company. Plan, the, no plan, no suicide plan, no Yeah, nothing. no nothing. She didn't even have a little... American style tablet in a in a necklace. Yeah, she was just yeah. She had no no next gear. Um, but au revoir, Cersei. Mm-hmm. And the final. Um, so John, you know, tells the the remaining soldiers to uh, to retreat. They they somehow make the way. Out. And then we have the final scene of the episode, which was so bizarre, of Arya um, surviving. You know what very other few people managed to. I mean, she, she used some of her strategy. She didn't just stand there. She would find, you know, she'd obviously had earthquake training. She obviously uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, knew where to stand when the when the walls were shaking. But she, she survives. She's bloodied and covered in dust and rubble and grime, but she's alive. And then she looks over. There's hardly anyone around, really. I don't think any anyone standing except her. And then there's a, a white steed, <laughs> and so she gets to ride off into the sunset on this on this white horse. It's like a spaghetti western, a burnt spaghetti western. And what did you make of that? I actually well, the, really the horse is actually uh, brown, but the soot, uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, when. At first, I actually thought it was a unicorn. Like it, the way that the light had fallen on the main, it actually looked like there was maybe like a horn. Peeking well, you know, out or something. I actually thought it might be Nymeria. I thought maybe uh-huh. my dream had come true and she was going <laughs> to oh, ride yeah. off on Nymeria, but that was not to be. But I actually, I liked the scene. It had a kind of shell shocked quality yes, yes. that the kind of dream. It, it had a dreaminess that mm-hmm. the show very rarely indulges in, mm-hmm. and so when it does, I found pretty satisfactory mm-hmm. and. It's it's hard for me to see uh, Arya being the kind of person to 
kill Danny in the next episode. Yeah. But the idea that like, oh, she, she, she has a new mission makes a lot of sense. Mm. And What's that though? She's going to try and kill Danny. Oh. I mean, she's obviously, I mean, it's true that she now is absolutely convinced that Danny is not the person. I mean, she, did, she didn't think it before, but now she has absolutely no doubt that Danny cannot be the, the ruler. I think, oh. as, as someone else pointed yeah. out on Slate last night, she's already king, killed the Night King. She's probably not going to get to take out another big bad. But I also think there's a sense, too, that she, like, maybe is going to put down her sword. Like, she's seen mm-hmm, so much mm-hmm. destruction that, like, mm-hmm. I, I could see her, you know, what's that you know becoming a sannyasa or whatever where she just wanders the streets with a bowl like she she doesn't want to be a lady <laughs> although i could see her actually partnering with gendry but uh i don't think that she's gonna i mean much as she wants to i don't think she's gonna have a big uh kill scene next week yeah the white horse to me kind of reminded me of the uh the plastic bag in american beauty yeah you know? yeah yeah the reminder of the, the simplicity of like you know such beautiful things if you can only stop and wait and, and look at them and appreciate them and so it's just a reminder of what peace might be and all this stuff and she kind of tames it and, and rides off yeah. so I, it'd be interesting to not see her at all next next episode I mean you would think that maybe Ooh. she goes back to Sansa's side and, and yeah. certainly becomes a, yeah. you know, a, a council of some sort because they do need to face the next enemy in the, the actual last war yeah. won't actually be the last war exactly I mean and that's the thing that I do when she turned down Gendry last week I thought oh I thought that really was going to be I mean not that I particularly see her as someone who you know is she's had so much pain and so much suffering and so much training that she isn't particularly interested in love and I don't I think she she likes Gendry very much but I don't think she's like in love but just in terms of like how these things go it is kind of her job to you know find a suitable match and know that Gendry is a lord and all of that but so I could see that happening but um yeah, so she's definitely going to go back to Winterfell or whatever's left standing at this point. But yeah, I don't think that she's, she's not actually going to be a go wandering off next week. But I don't think so. So she's going to kill Danny. But I also don't really want to speculate because we'll see next week what happens. And I don't think we need to worry too much about it. Um, but I think it's the time of the episode where we get to say who we think the worst person in Westeros is. You're the worst shit in the Seven Kingdoms! Plenty worse than me. Would you want to begin, Pierre? Sure. It's uh, it's kind of a toss-up. <laughs> Is it? Oh yeah. Between, between oh, between you know the dragon and the person on it. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're not gonna we're not actually gonna stop. We should go with worst person other than yeah. either of those two. Or right? maybe, well, may, yeah. Well, it's too. It's too. It's too well, obvious. Well, maybe let's. I mean, Rachel and Shasha uh, on the Slate site said, I think, without too much surprise, that the worst person in West was Danny and, and Daenerys Targaryen. And we, you know, we might agree with that, but let's just see if we can come up with any other possibilities first. So, Pierre, you think that... Um, um, yeah, I'll make maybe a, I don't know, a, a provocative argument that maybe Tyrion is the worst person. Oh, why? Um, because he seems to be operating by his own, kind of following his own star uh, in a way that's screwing some people over Varys. Um, and kind of, you know, he's abiding by hierarchy selectively in a way. Mm-hmm. He's kind of obeying some rules kind of selectively. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that, well, I, I, you know, I, I'm in denial, unlike Varys and unlike, and John as well is in denial, but about who Danny might really be. And he's kind of following these marching orders. The one thing, of course, he does do to undo that is, is free Jamie. But even that is, is perhaps kind of foolish. I mean, there's, yeah, that's giving Cersei another chance. Mm-hmm. Again, again. 
mm-hmm. uh, maybe this time with a with a with a carrot instead of a stick, I guess. But um, but it, then again, he's extended a lot of carrots to to Cersei, so it just doesn't make sense to to kind of do that. And and again, he's asking for for execution. But yeah, we'll see. What do you think, Ben? I think that that's a a good thesis. I might also say John. I was going to say John like, too. Come on, just can you just pretend for yeah. a minute that you're not weirded out by her? Like just in this moment, like she's actually in grief. Yes, she's in intense grief, mm-hmm. and his kind of like dopey inability to connect with her on a basic emotional level. It's like actually maybe you are a terrible couple Mm -hmm. because you besides the fact that as performers they don't seem to have much chemistry Mm -hmm. they don't actually seem to have this emotional connection Mm -hmm. that runs very deep and if anyone could convince her even despite everything it should probably have been him yeah right i I hadn't thought of that but yeah on an emotional i was thinking i also was gonna give john uh, a run for danny a run for her money as the worst person because of you know, how we saw the beginning of this episode start, that he starts these rumors going so that he's kind of fomenting potential treason all the while saying, oh, no, she is my queen. She is my queen. Well, if she is your queen, why are you, you know, fomenting treason? And for not great reasons, like he's just like, I just have to tell my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know what that means. Right, right. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, you can't, you probably can't, you gotta promise not to tell anyone. I mean, yeah, you, exactly. You, come on. You yeah. spent your whole life not. Yeah, spend another five minutes. And yeah, I think, but I think your emotional point that this woman with whom he is still close, whether or not he's still got the bone for her, he he should know better. He should know that, as you say, she's just lost her child, her dragon. She just lost her closest friend and confidant and her closest advisor, Shajora. She mm-hmm. is not in a good place. As you say, just play along. It's it's maybe a kindness, and so we you know we could make a case for John, but I also think we should just admit that Danny went I mean, full oh, rogue. It is it is. I mean, it, at this point, worst person <laughs> in Westeros has added to that long list. You know, breaker of chains. Yes, this of that. I mean, the, the, this whole on. episode is a thesis statement for the worst person in maybe the hist- the recent <laughs> history of Westeros being Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard to make any. Yeah counter-arguments that aren't worst-supporting person in Westeros. Yes, And the one interesting thing this will do is that, you know, next episode, the first half is going to be all about the reckoning, all of our allies being like, man, we... We, impa- we 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 made this happen. We empowered this. We moved the you know the pieces on the chessboard to make this happen, and we were so so damn wrong. And now it's going to be kind of all of them against her. In what order? Who knows? It seems like she won't even have the power to maybe execute some people because it's going to be maybe her full circle against her. It seems. I mean, she's still got a dragon though, and now people have seen what dragon, what a mad dragon and an isolated, angry, lonely dragon can do when mm-hmm. when the person on its back is. It's not holding him back. So we'll see. It's maybe it's not as easy to do as uh, we might think. Uh, although, as a daughter of the North, I do think the North can handle itself. But we will see next week. Uh, thank you so much to listening to the Slate TV Club on Game of Thrones. We'll be back next week with a slightly different cast. And if you would like to read more of Slate's coverage of Game of Thrones, go to slate.com slash Game of Thrones. Thank you, Ben. Uh, Thank you for having me, June. And thank you, Pierre. Thanks. It's a lot of fun. Thank you for listening. 